isn't it awesome how you come off of last week and all the revelation and the joy and the presence of God that was in this place and then start off like we did this morning? Man, God has been so good to us. You know, I thought I told the, our team this week, we had staff prayer and I said, you know, look at where we've come in a year. Look how far we've come. Do you know, like next week, I think it is, is our one year anniversary of starting the church. Has God brought us so far? And we're getting things and we're getting revelation now that we were not getting a year ago. Why is that? Because utterance, the spoken word from heaven, is so hugely dependent upon the hearer. Amen. Amen. That means it's not just all about who's up here speaking. It's about the hearer desiring with such a pure heart to hear from heaven. So this morning, I believe we're going to hear from heaven. I am so expecting to hear from God. I know that he's here with us and we're not looking to a man or a woman. We are looking to Jesus. Our eyes are on him, our hearts open to him, and our ears are hearing. You know, in Jesus, all through Revelation, he cried out, oh, that you would have ears to hear. Oh, that you would just have ears to hear. What does that mean? That a lot of people may be listening, but they're not hearing. And so I'm crying out to you this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is crying out this morning. Oh, that you would have ears to hear. Because I believe if you will, your life will be completely changed this morning. Are you ready? Well, you may wonder why there's this beautiful table on stage. Is that not gorgeous? Who wants the girls that set this up to come to your house for Thanksgiving and de decorate? What do you think? I do. You can come to my, I know who did it. It's my girls. They set it up and they're awesome. I called them last night real late. Hey, can y'all set up a beautiful table for me on stage? And the reason that we set this up this morning is because I wanted to talk to you about some things in scripture that Lord has really opened my eyes to lately, actually over the last several years. And I just, it has just really yesterday I was sitting on the couch and I saw some revelation and I just began to cry and weep before the Lord because and when you get a taste and a glimpse of how good God is and you see and your eyes come open to some things, you'll never be the same. So yesterday I got revelation that I had never gotten before and I want to share it with you today. But you know, there is a theme that runs all through the scripture. And that theme of the table we see from the beginning to the end. And I like to think about the psalmist. What he said, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He says this, you anoint my head with oil at that table and my cup, it runs over. What is that? That's the goodness of God. That's more than enough, like Jeremy said. I like to think about David and Mephibosheth. Do you remember that story? When David told him, you will eat bread at my table continually. Oh, there's some good stuff in that one too. And then if you look even further, you see Jesus even shared a meal at the table with his disciples and at the communion table, right? The last supper. And he spent time in fellowship with his closest people at that table. And then you see coming up in Revelation that we are all going to be raised up well, not all of us. I say that carefully. 
Not all of us. There may be some in this room that aren't. We want you to come on in. But some of us, the ones who walk with God, know Jesus, walk by faith, we're going to be raised up together to sit with him and to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, what a day that'll be. They said they'll be praising and rejoicing and giving glory to God for his goodness. This theme of the table runs all the way from the beginning of Scripture to the end. Why is it so important to God? Well, as I prayed a bit about this, I thought about what happens at the table. And I thought about my own table. This would be my love language making a good meal for my family. Anybody else in here love to cook, love to make a good meal for their family? What happens at the table is you, well, this is a, you know, of course you eat and you drink and you enjoy. You're supposed to have lots of laughter. There's not supposed to be any strife at the table, right? Right? Everybody at Legacy Church, no strife at the table. No, 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 we don't do that. But there is a, a lot of, it's supposed to be a happy place. It's supposed to be a place of fellowship and a place for sharing. What is sharing? You know, if you got those, you got some mashed potatoes out there on the table, I'll take a scoop. Go ahead and take a bite. Then I'm going to pass that bowl to you. You take a scoop. Now, everybody's like, we don't eat mashed potatoes. Oh, I'm telling you right now, I eat mashed potatoes. And you know what else I eat? I eat meat. Don't send me any of your letters now. I don't want to, I don't want to get any letters. I'm not going to read them. Um, no letters about how you shouldn't eat meat because I'm a big believer in protein, okay? A big believer. Now you say, oh, I can get all my protein from plants. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We'll have to have a debate about that. Oh, yeah, I am from Arkansas. Yeah, my dad's a hunter. We kill the de- We eat the deer, the venison. Okay, we're going to get off this subject because I'm going to get lots of letters. All that to say, around the table, there's supposed to be a sharing. There's supposed to not only be a sharing of food, but there's supposed to be a sharing of love. There's supposed to be a fellowship. There's supposed to be something that you don't get everywhere else. The table is a place where you experience friendship. It's a place where you experience communion. What is that? Communion is a deep going to a deep place with each other. It's also a place of giving and receiving. I give to you. I receive from you. That's a sharing. It's a place of serving and being served. Isn't it? I love to sit at the table and and feast and eat my food after I've cooked it. You know what else I love to do? I love to serve it up and then hear everybody at the table say, mmm, that's delicious. Right? So here's the funny thing. The guys are probably telling me I'm out of the light. I need to scoot back here. I just like to move around everywhere and be with you. Anyway, okay, so I was thinking about this. You know, if somebody comes to your house for dinner and you have prepared, Pammy knows what I'm talking about, you prepared a beautiful feast for them. You have slaved over that roast in the kitchen, okay? Beautiful, you've prepared it. And you have guests that come and either they come and they, well, let's just say, well, okay, let me just slow down here. I want, to, I want to go over this for a second. I would say that's my love language, is preparing a yummy meal for my family. You know, it, it is interesting. Don't you want to hear this tastes so good as a mama? And if you don't hear it, do you say, so how is it, guys? How is it? What do you think? Is it good? No, everybody tell me. They do that in here. I do it every week. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know what they think. 
So it is my love language. You know, I was thinking about this. So many people are so, you know, we're so mindful of natural food. And because we have to eat how many times a day? A lot of people eat three times a day. I eat about five, six times a day. I do. I like to balance my blood sugar. We're not going to get all that. But I like to eat a lot, and I like to work out, and I like to feel good. And, you know, natural food is so important for our bodies. We live in a natural world. But you know what's more important? Spiritual food. And the Word of God is spiritual food to us. I, I thought about this. I remember this story that um, Papa Copeland told a long time ago. And he said that he had a vision of a group of people and their outward man, they looked great. They looked happy. They looked healthy. But then he just saw into the spirit and he saw their inward man. And that inward man was shriveled up. And it was, it was, it was almost, it was barely making it. And it's because it was starving. It was starving for spiritual nutrition. It was starving for God's word. And yeah, they may have eaten plenty on, you know, in the natural food, but they were starving for spiritual food. And I thought about this scripture. Oh man, it stood out to me so much. Um, Jesus said this. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, also this is an amazing thing. The, the, Jeremiah said this. He said, I found your word and I did eat it. And it became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Do you love the word of God like that? Do you fill up on the word of God? The psalmist said this. He said, dwell in the land and feed on my faithfulness. Feed and eat of the Lord. Jesus himself is called the bread of life. You can feast on him. You can eat on him. You can eat of him. And I want to, this morning, I would like to turn and read you, talk about, about four different tables in scripture where God pours out his love on us and we have the opportunity to feast. And first turn with me to Luke 14. This is the great feast. And this story is so powerful. Maybe one of my favorites. If you know me, you know I'm going to get up here every time I preach and I'm going to tell you, this is my favorite passage. And then the next week I'm going to tell you, this is my favorite passage. <laughs> and then the next week I'm going to tell you, this, y'all going to be like, I don't believe you anymore. But here's the deal. I love the word of God. I love it. It is, it is, I, honestly, I hunger and I thirst after it. Have you ever been in a dry place in your life and, and you needed to be filled up? A lot of people think, well, I need to go on a vacation because I'm in a dry place. Now, that might be the truth to some degree. But honestly, at some point, you need to get over into not a dry place anymore, but a place full of life. And the only way you find it is by feasting on the Word of God. And so anyway, Luke chapter 14 um, verse 15, this is the great feast. And the master here is preparing a table. Who do you think this master is? I have an idea. I think that this represents the Lord. And he's preparing a great feast. Let's read this in verse um, 
15, now when one of those, did you guys get there? Luke 14, 15. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. When I think about this passage, I think about, I see Jesus. I see him setting a table before us. You know, Song of Solomon, the Shulamite woman, she says to her love, her beloved, he brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me was love. And I think about Jesus setting up this table and no greater love has any man than this, than what he did to lay down his life for his friends, to lay down his life and serve us. You know, going to the cross was an act of service unto us. And I think about him, how he's prepared a table and he's set up this beautiful feast for us. He's even spent himself on that table. He is the bread of life. And he's prepared this table. You know, he's, he's laid out on this table everything you could ever need in life. Joy, peace, healing, prosperity, provision. Every good thing you could ever need. And it's laid out on the table. And then what he does is he invites many people to come. Many, many, many. And you would think that after Jesus does something so wonderful for us. What he does is he, he prepares it, he gets it all ready, and as that excited chef and that excited host, he shouts out, it is finished. Come and get it. It is finished. It's done. Come and get it. Here it says, come, for all things are now ready. But then it says, there's a response that I don't always expect. Verse 18, but they all with one accord begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. What is this? It is excuses of thing. It is excuses of my own stuff. Things. And then he says this, I ask you, to have me excused. Another says, I've bought five yoke and oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. This could be in the area of business. This is a higher priority to me than your call, Lord. Verse 19, it says, oh, sorry, verse 20. Still another says, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Oftentimes it can be even with family. I need to take care of this. I need to take care of this. And I cannot come. Now, a lot of people may say, well, are you talking about salvation and healing and prosperity? Or are you talking about discipleship? I want to tell you, there's a lot of people. You're going to get to heaven someday. And there's going to be a lot of believers there. But there's not going to be all, all of those believers will not be, have been disciples. These are not the same things. And you can look at this passage in different areas. If you're not born again yet, I'm telling you, come on in and begin to feast on the goodness of God and the salvation of the Lord. Come on in. 
If you're not yet a disciple, what does it mean to be a disciple? It means to continue in his word and to answer the call. Glory to God. To continue in his word and to be quick to answer the call. These are things that are two separate things. To be a believer is not necessarily to be a disciple of the Lord. And so you have to read this at where you're at in your life and hear from the Holy Spirit where you're at. Many of you in this room are called into the ministry and haven't yet stepped over into the first phases of that call. Some of you have. I know many people in here, we have traveling ministries in this room, and they are already stepping out and being a big blessing to the world. Many of you are called to serve in this church and to serve on a team, and you have done that, and you have answered the call. But all these things have to do with um, either answering, you have to ask yourself, what kind of person am I? Am I one who answers the call or am I one who makes excuses? And so in this passage, he says this, he has all these reasons. I see these three areas of life that, can, uh, that can, we can make excuses in. One, maybe taking care of our own things. Two, maybe in caring too much about our business. And three, in areas of our family. Now, this doesn't mean you hate your family. You don't love them, care for them, nurture them, and do what God's called you to do for your family. This means that you have prioritized things over the kingdom of God and over his, his things. Now, your family is a part of the kingdom. Don't get me wrong. I believe that. But a lot of people have misunderstood what it means to follow God and have, have made excuse after excuse and after excuse, and they're wondering why they're unhappy unwillingness is the only thing that will cause you to be unhappy in life. An unwilling heart. You know, a lot of people are so unhappy. Believers are so, there's a lot of believers that are so unhappy. And why are they unhappy? One of the reasons I believe many are unhappy is because they are not doing the purpose that God has put for their life, the plans and purposes that he has for them. They're not fully walking in them or they've, their purpose has become themselves and their things and their business and their family alone. They've only got their mind on themselves and how self makes me happy. But real happiness, real joy comes in laying down your life for your friends so if, let's keep reading right here. And it says this in verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. Now you would think the master would be like, oh, that's okay, maybe next time. What do you think when we get to heaven someday? Do you think that we're gonna stand before the Lord? And if we haven't done the things he's called us to do or haven't answered the call or haven't come when he's made the invitation, do you think he's just gonna say to us, oh, that's okay, maybe next time? No, he's not gonna say that. This is what the master did. The master of the house was angry. Everybody's so quiet. He's angry and he says to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Hey, this scripture tells you what's on the table. It's healing and it's provision. You've got the poor they're inviting. You've got the lame. You've got the blind. You've got the maimed. There is healing and there is provision on the table. Don't be fooled about it. This is part of the gospel. 
And so there's, this is sitting at the table and the servant says, master, it's done as you've commanded and still there is room. That tells me that not everybody has answered the call. Still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out, go out again into the highways, the hedges, and compel them to come in. What is that? That is a, a, that is a word of compassion. My heart, his heart, the master's heart is calling. He's trying to compel you, calling for you to come in. Whatever place you're at in life, if you haven't yet come into the kingdom, come on in and receive Jesus. If you haven't yet become a disciple, come on in and walk deeper with him. If you're called into the ministry, he's saying, come on in. The, time, the, the table is now ready. Get ready. It's sh- life is short. And you have to ask yourself, what is more important than kingdom business? Really, what is it? I'm telling you, life is short. I know it. I know it. I know it is so short. And what do you want to do? How do you want to stand before the Lord someday? And have you, have you been willing to come? Have you been eager to come? Have you been enthusiastic to come? Have you been excited? Will you answer the call or will you make excuses? That's the question. So then it says this, the master says, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. What is that? Jesus has set this table before us. He's laid it out, everything we could ever need. I don't want to be guilty of missing out on even one area that he's provided for me. You know, being lazy in faith, not being hungry to to go after him. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they are the ones who are filled And Jesus sets this beautiful table. There's a pitcher of healing. There's a platter of peace. There's there's joy. There's all these things that you could have. And it's sitting out on the table. But see, grace sets the table, but faith eats. It takes faith to eat. It takes faith. It takes faith to stop making excuses. It takes faith to answer the call. It takes faith to say yes to the invitation. It takes faith to come on in and sit down. It takes faith to pick up that fork and to eat those potatoes. It takes faith to say yes. It takes faith. It takes faith. It takes faith. Grace sets the table and faith eats everything on the plate. Everything on the plate. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, if I were to prepare a table for my friends and my family, and I spent so much time, you know, making that bread. We've been making homemade sourdough lately. Courtney's going to watch this, and she's going to love it. Maybe Michelle's in here, too. We've been making homemade sourdough and all these little pastries and just having fun, with do making stuff for our family. If I made all that, and I spent hours in the kitchen, and then I got a phone call, and everybody started making excuses why they couldn't come. And I'm sitting there. I've got the table laid out before them, and they just keep calling one after another. Well, I just want to take a nap. Jordan's over here in the front row. He comes over and eats my Sunday, din- Sunday lunch. He's like, I, I mean, you know, I really don't want to eat roast today. I just want to come over and I just want to take a nap. I'm just too lazy. I'm too tired. I just don't think I can come sit at the table. 
What if, what if everybody did that? I would not be pleased. And I think about, I think about Hebrews chapter 11 that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at another story at the table. Thank you, Lord. Grace sets the table and faith eats. This is in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Thank you, Lord, for such good revelation. Matthew 15, 21. And this story, oh, this is one of my favorites. You know, this might be my favorite one in the This one is about the Syrophoenician woman, remember the Canaanite woman, who came to Jesus because she was in need of healing for her little girl who was sick and tormented by the enemy. And she came to Jesus. And, you know, if you think about what the, the Canaanite people were like back then, they were, they, she, this woman, she came from a long lineage of pagan Worshippers, they worshiped other gods. They had no value or respect for the things of God. Absolutely none. And they, um, they were completely undeserving of anything from the Lord. They didn't deserve it. And so she comes and she finds Jesus. She hears of Jesus. And she comes to him. Let's just read this. Um, verse 21 Verse 22, let's start here. Behold, a woman from Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. And he answered her, not a word. Now, how many of you in here would get really huffy and puffy if Jesus didn't respond to you right away? I got a few laughs back there. Okay, and his disciples came and they urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered her and he said this, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That wasn't the answer she was expecting. You know, most people are so entitled that they just expect you to give them what they want all the time. Oh. And then it says this, she came to worship him saying, Lord, help me. Okay, there we've got some humility. She doesn't get offended. She has some humility about her. In verse 26, but he answered and he said this, he's explaining further. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh, well, if, if, what made, if that didn't make you mad before, he just calls her an animal. Okay, an animal. And... So he says this is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, you think about it. Who were the children? He was referring to those of the house of Israel. Those who were actually deserving to some degree of healing and deliverance. They had some deliverance. Some, 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 there was something about them that healing was supposed to go to them. Now you think about your little kid at the table and then your dog. i got a picture of my dog. I'm going to show you real quick. Can you put that up, Jay? This is Gunner. Isn't he cute? He's my buddy. My buddy. I love him. No, no, no. Go back. Go back to that last picture. Okay, look at him right here. Do you see this plate of food in front of him? 
who, how many of you guys have dogs in here? And they are totally obsessed with food. I mean, you could feed them and feed them and feed them their dog food, and they will still be sitting right beside you wherever the food is, staring at the plate. Okay, I'm going to show you a couple more pictures. Here's another one. Let's see. There he is. Look at him. He's looking through the looking through the chair. He's like, "This are those eyes so sweet?" Jeremy's always just like, "Get out of here!" And I'm like, "Oh, come over here. I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little something, something. Look at that. Look at how cute he is." Okay, is there another one? Oh, there's there's proof that we eat steak. <laughs> Okay, so there he is just staring. He is just, oh, he's waiting. And isn't it like your dogs? They will wait there for anything you'll give them. I mean, they are just sitting eagerly, expectant, waiting for anything that you will just drop off that table to them. And it's the truth, though, right? If your little babies are sitting at the table, it's better to feed them first before you drop anything for your dogs, right? So what I do is I feed my family. And then, you know, I have a little bit left extra on my plate, a little bit of steak, a little bit of stuff. And I'll just, you know, see, when Jeremy can't see me, He's, he's probably watching right now. He's like, don't feed that dog at the table. And I'll get, I got that little steak in my hand. I'll just like, you know, hide it under the table. And Gunner, Gunner just loves me. Why do you think he loves me so much? I sneak him food. But anyway, okay, you can take those off now. And so Je- Jesse told me yesterday, she's like, Mommy, you should have brought Gunner up on stage on his leash and showed everybody what he does, showed him how he takes his treats and stuff. I was like, no, we're not, gonna, we're not bringing the dog to church. Um, but here, Jesus says it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. You want those, those children are more valuable than these dogs. And they should have all the food. They should have the food first. And then if you want to sneak them some under the table, you can later. Anyway, but she says this, yes, Lord, and I love this humility. Even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from their master's table. What is she saying? She's saying, oh, just a little bit, even a crumb. I'll take it and I'll eat it and I'll be healed. My little girl will be healed. Even just a crumb. That's enough for me. Jesus said this in this passage that, that healing is the children's bread. That means, hey, you and me, we've been brought into the family and healing belongs to us. And you know, even if it's just a little crumb, that's enough from the bread of life to bring healing and life into us. And I'm going to eat it. I don't know about you. I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to eat it, I'm going to eat it. And you know what I think is so beautiful? Jesus, Jesus wasn't being mean to this woman. He wasn't even calling her a dog in the degree you're thinking of. He was basically showing us more about his amazing grace. How that we don't, we don't receive according to what we deserve. We receive according to our faith in Jesus. Grace sets the table. And faith eats. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. And then Jesus, verse 28 says, Great is your faith. Let it be unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Let's look at Luke chapter 15, verse, I'm gonna read this one too. This is the prodigal son. And what is it? Luke chapters, do I have the right one here? Oh yeah, Luke. Luke chapter 15, 
verse 17. And this is the story of the prodigal son, and many of you know it, so I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But do you remember how the prodigal son, he left the table, he left the home and the family that had given him life and even prospered him. And he lived, left and he went and he blew all of his, uh, all of his um, inheritance. He blew that and he was out with the pigs. Do you remember this? And he was out there and it says this. Verse 17 he was out there in the, with the pigs, and his, he's starving. He's hungry. Do you know it was his hunger that caused him to come to the end of himself? Verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, what is that? He just, he got to the point where he recognized that he would rather be in his father's house than hungry away from him. And he came to the end of himself. You know, sometimes you have to let people come to the end of themselves. You want to get to the end of self. And you want to open up your eyes and recognize it is better to walk with God and to please God and to follow God. And I saw this here when he came to the end of himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. Then isn't this interesting? The father didn't go after him and make him come home. He had to arise. He had to make the choice to go home. He had to come to the end of himself. This is how powerful God has made us. That we have a choice every day to love him, to serve him, to go after him with our whole heart or, or not. But he says this, I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, I've sinned against heaven and before you. What is that? It's repentance. Repentance will always bring you right back to the table. It says this in verse 19, and, and let me tell you this too. Repentance, the Bible says, is a gift. It's a gift. It's not something to look down on. It's not something to preach against. It's not something that is works. It is a gift. It is a gift to us. And it says this, verse 19, And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What is that? Humility. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. And he had compassion. There's that compelling compassion again. And he ran and he fell at his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. That's provision. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. He took care of him, didn't he? And bring that fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and let us be merry. There was love at the table. There was compassion. There was mercy at the table. Mercy. I love it how just one act, one moment of humility, one moment 
of repentance will bring you right back to the table. It's a beautiful thing. I want to read you one more. And this is the one yesterday as I prayed and studied that, man, it got me. It got me good. <laughs> I, I just, you know, you know when the Lord shares something with you, that in that moment, if your heart is so moved and so touched, and sometimes I recognize that when I begin to cry, I recognize that's it. That's, what's, but that's what I have for my people. Why? Because compassion, he's compelling his people to answer. He's compelling us to respond to him this morning. He's given us out his word. He's serving a good meal to us this morning. But it's up to us to take it in faith, to eat it by faith, and to come and get it. You know that there are good there are meals being served across the world everywhere this morning in churches all across the world. This church is one of them. Um, there are many more. There are many more amazing churches all around this city. There are many churches all over the world that are serving a meal. And there are people that live blocks away that are refusing to come and eat making excuses all the time why I can't come and eat, live right down the street and refuse to come and eat. What do you think the master is going to say about that someday when people stand before him? Oh, it's just okay. Or why don't you come and take and eat of everything I've given you? I had revelation for you there. I had joy for you there. I had a place for you to serve there. I had a part, I was going to share with you in my kingdom there. This is how powerful the local church is. I want to read you this one out of um, 1 Samuel chapter 20. Oh, you guys ready for something? Okay, you just better put your faith ears on. I'm telling you, this is so, so good. And be hungry for it. I, this, oh, this is so good. 1 Samuel chapter 20. And this, this is this, um, I'm not going to tell you. I'll just give you a brief explanation of this story. Um, Let's see, am I in the right? Okay, I'm in 2 Samuel. You guys are in 1 Samuel. Here we go, here we go. Um, do you remember the Bible tells us about David's best friend, Jonathan, and the kind of relationship that they had? What a special, special friendship. They were so close. They were closer than brothers. They actually loved each other more than they loved themselves. You know, we've been in this series, No Greater Love. No greater love, Jesus says, has a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And to me, there's not a, this is a great picture, David and Jonathan, of two friends loving each other so much that they lay their life down for each other. And what a, what a picture of love. I, I love this. You know, Saul, if you remember, he was very jealous of David, angry at David. And to the point he was ready to kill David. It was dangerous for David to be inside the kingdom. He was, uh, he had, the enemy had really, had talked this up, had really turned everything on David, even though David was God's chosen, future chosen. And so 
Saul was jealous. He was upset. You know, Jonathan is Saul's son. And so David has to flee for his life. He has to flee outside of the castle, outside of the kingdom and go far away. And this separates him and Jonathan from each other. And so they make a plan. We're going to get together. We're going we're gonna to have a secret meetup. Okay, isn't this cool? A little spicy story. A secret meetup. And we are going to make a plan to go and see each other at some point. So they do. They find each other. And their hearts, I mean, can you imagine? I don't know if you've ever had a best friend or someone very close to you. I know that I have a few people in my life that I am this close to. And you should have a few people like that. Maybe one. If you don't, you can believe God to bring you a good friend. The Bible says if you'll show yourself friendly, you will have many friends. And so I have a few people in my life. And I know that, number one, Jeremy, he would be my best friend. And we have quite a covenant with each other. We talk all the time. We spend time together. We fellowship with each other. We, we share everything in our life together. This is fellowship and it's real friendship. And I think about David and Jonathan. It says this in verse 41. David arose from a place toward the south and he fell on his face toward the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another, who him and Jonathan, and they wept together. But David more so. This actually says in the Hebrew that David wept almost uncontrollably. He was overwhelmed in his heart to the place where he wept over Jonathan. That was his best bud. He wept over him. He loved him. Jonathan did the same. And then it says this in verse 42. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. He arose and he departed and Jonathan went into the city. What is Jonathan saying? Let's make a covenant. Let's make a covenant between me and you. And this covenant is so based on the deepest love that a friend can have for another friend. No greater love is what this covenant is based on. And this covenant is not just going to be between me and you. This covenant is going to last to the future generations. This covenant is going to last not only to us, but to our children's children. And I will be to you. I will love you. And you will love me. And I will love your children. And I, they will love me. And I will love your grandchildren. And they will love me. And we will, this love will extend to all the generations. And so they get up from that place. You know, I'm not sure, but it might have been the last time they saw each other. Because it wasn't long before Jonathan was killed in battle. And so was Saul the same day, actually. And then David comes into the kingdom as the king. And when he rises to this place in the kingdom, this is what I love about a real servant and about a real king and about a real leader, what they did. He 
rises to this kingdom and he says this, 2 Samuel chapter 9, you might want to turn there because this is good. Verse 1, it says, David said this, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there somebody, is there somebody I can love in this family? Is there somebody that I can keep covenant with in this family? Is there somebody that I can bless? It's my heart's cry and my heart's desire to show kindness because of how much I love Jonathan. And then he finds Ziba, who who is a servant to the son of Jonathan. And she tell and and and, um, David says, There is still a son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. This is verse three. And Ziba says, Yeah, he's still alive. And David asks him, verse four, where is he? And she says, or he says, that his name is Mephibosheth, and he lives in Lodabar. Now, if you look and you read what Lodabar, what that word means, it's actually a location, but it just means dry place, a desert place. This is where Jonathan's son was. Now, let me tell you a little bit about um, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, when he was a little boy, the day that his dad died, Jonathan, and the day that his grandpa died, Saul, His nurse was so afraid of what David would do to him because of the lies she had been told by Saul that this nurse picked up Mephibosheth and ran to flee and to hide from David because she knew he was coming into the kingdom. And when she ran to, to flee, she dropped Mephibosheth and hurt him and he became lame in his feet. And at that point, he, his name actually means the shamed one or shameful. And at that point, his life turned dark for a very long time. He had to live in a place that was known as a dry place or a desert place. And that's how his life was. But David cries out and he says this, verse 5, Let's just say that King David sent and he brought him out of that house. Isn't this a picture? A type of the Lord. He goes out and he gets you out of a dry place. And he raises you up to sit with princes. When you don't deserve it, he still will bring you into the kingdom. It's a picture of his love and his goodness. David sent for Mephibosheth from the house of Lodabar. And then it says in verse 6, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and he prostrated himself. He was afraid of David. All he had ever heard about David was what his nurse told him. That David was horrible. It's what Saul told him. It was lies of the devil. How many people are being lied to day and night and it is keeping them from living in light and in the blessing How many people, this is the enemy, has lied to him and put him, bound him up with fear. It says this at the end of verse 6, Then David said to Mephibosheth, um, he said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, 
For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. There's prosperity. And you shall eat at my table continually. What is David saying to him? He's saying, listen, Mephibosheth, what's mine is yours. What I have is yours. What I've been given is yours. You are an heir of salvation. Isn't this like Jesus speaking to us? I have made a covenant with you. I have made a covenant with you that is a sharing. I want to share in you, with you in all that I have, in all that I've done. Come and eat bread at my table continuously. Come and let me provide for you every day of your life. Jesus is saying, you share in my food. You share this with me. You eat at my table, not one time, not a little bit, but continuously come and eat. Grace sets the table, but faith eats. He's saying, listen, what's mine is yours. This is a sharing. This is a covenant. I love that David didn't do this for Mephibosheth. I mean, he did, but you know who he did it for? He did it for Jonathan. He did it because of the covenant. He did it. God does it for us because of his covenant with Jesus. God does it for us because the blood has been shed. It is an every, this is so amazing. Okay, Jonathan and David, they made this covenant and this covenant was to extend to the generations that follow, to their sons, to Mephibosheth. God makes a covenant with us that is to extend to the generations, it is to extend to our family, to our children, to our children's children. I'm telling you, this is how powerful the word of God is if you will take it and you will eat it in your life. We have a covenant. We have fellowship. We have a sharing of these things. We can share with Jesus in everything that he's done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love this. Jesus says this in Revelation 4.20. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and he opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and him with me. What is it? It's a sharing. It's a fellowship. I love this in the New Living Translation. It says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. And I, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Sharing with Jesus. You know, this, this week I was just praying and studying. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, thank you for sharing with me. Everything good that you've done. Thank you for letting me partake of that goodness. Thanks for serving, up, serving a meal for me that I can come and I can take and I can eat. Thank you for pouring out your life, for serving yourself on that table. 
that I can come. You know, I, a lot of people, they just see people and they think, well, they've always been where they are. No, I'm telling you, God will take you from a lowly place. And if you'll humble yourself and you'll keep your heart right before him, he will raise you up from the, the, the ashes and he will raise you up to sit with kings and to sit with princes. This is his desire for you and me, that we would come and we'd find everything we need on the table, that we would not come before him someday and not have partaken or eaten of all the good things he had for us. I want to eat up. I want to eat up of that healing. I want to eat. I want to take it and I want to receive it. And I want to experience the joy that comes from being filled up with it. I want to take and I want to receive of the fact that Jesus was poor, made poor, so that for my sake I would be rich. I want to take it. I want to eat it. Eat it up. And I'm just, I want to just express to you that Jesus wants to share with you. And this is what this whole thing is about, fellowship. It's about a sharing He's not holding on to it all for himself. He wants you to take it and eat it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.